Today we want to talk about friendship, and I think Facebook is one of those things that has uh, redefined friendship in a lot of ways. Uh, you can go online, you may know the person, you may not, and you send them a little friend request, and they accept, and you're friends. Isn't that awesome? Uh, you can even unfriend them, right? Uh, you you uh, don't talk to them very much. Maybe, maybe you don't like what they're posting. Maybe you had an argument, and you can let the entire world know that you're no longer friends. Uh, Facebook, we have, we have a saying, right? Facebook official, right? Nothing truly happens unless it's officially done on Facebook. So uh, it's very interesting, right? Some people will be celebrating their sixth year as friends on Facebook, and you'll see the comments, oh, we've been friends a lot longer than six years. Our Facebook has, has redefined this friendship, and I want to ask the question today, what is a good friend? You know, what, what, what makes a friendship great? What is the definition of that? And I think it's an important question because friends are one of the more important relationships we will have in this world. And I think if we're going to reflect Jesus in our friendships, then we need to have great friendships. Uh, my definition of great friendship is this. Great friendships are those who are there for the good and the bad of life. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 20 today. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to, to turn with me there. 1 Samuel chapter 20. Uh, there's a number of friendships that are discussed in the Bible, uh, but for me, the friendship that is uh, probably the most prominent, the one that we often remember the most, is the friendship between David and Jonathan. And these two guys, their friendship really is defined in this chapter of 1 Samuel chapter 20. Uh, it is where we get the understanding of why and why we think that they are great friends. And at, before we read this, I do want us to do a little bit of background and ask the question, who are these guys? Because right, that's a very important question before we just jump into a story. Uh, Jonathan was the crown prince of Israel. His father was King Saul. He was the next in line to take the throne. Uh, and Jonathan was a, a very mighty warrior in his own right. Uh, at one point in time, the Philistines were encamped on a cliff. The Israelites couldn't get to them without dying. And so Jonathan, with his shield bearer, look up this, the, the cliff face and say, Oh, we can climb that. And those two guys climbed it themselves, got on top, and started fighting the Philistines all by themselves. And the Philistines weren't even looking that way, right? They were looking down the hill, not behind them. And so when Jonathan does this and starts killing them, they, they kind of get in a, a fearful mode, and they start to run away in panic. And so Jonathan routes the Philistines just by himself and his shield bearer. And so he's a mighty warrior. He's a powerful warrior. Uh, David is new onto the scene. David uh, is a boy from the town of Bethlehem. Uh, the Israelites, they were fighting a battle just west of his hometown. Uh, David wasn't old enough to go to the battle, but his dad said, why don't you go check on them? Uh, they hadn't heard any news about his brothers, and so they were concerned about what was going on. And so David goes, and while he's there, there's a giant Philistine by the name of Goliath who challenges not only the Israelites, but the God of Israel. And while the rest of the Israelites are cowering in fear at this man, David says, my God will win this battle. 
And David goes out and he fights the battle and he routs the Philistines by defeating Goliath. And so what we have are these two guys that are great warriors uh, that are leading the Israelites in victory in battle. Uh, add one last thing that's very important in this story, and that's this. Saul had committed a number of crimes against God. He had sinned, and God decided that Saul's family would no longer rule, but somebody else would, and that somebody that God chose was a boy by the name of David. And so what we have here is Jonathan, the crown prince, the expected next king, and then David, the God-ordained next king. And that's going to cause some tensions in this story. Uh, but in this story, we're going to see six attributes that make up a great friendship. And the first attribute comes from 1 Samuel chapter 18, and those words are going to appear on the screen here. I know I said 1 Samuel chapter 20, that's where we're going to hang out, but this is important background. All right? and, and what we see in this passage right here is this, that friends connect deeply with each other. Uh, here's what it reads. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. And from that day, Saul kept David with him, and he did not let him return to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing, and he gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belts. And so we see here the connection that David and Jonathan have. It's more than the surface level connection that we have at Facebook, right? All right this is deep. They became one with each other. They loved each other as they loved themselves. And we see this connection even by the covenants, this oath that Jonathan made. And he gives him uh, a pledge as, as a part of the oath. And they're big things in that time period. It's a, it's a set of clothing. All right, that's one of the more uh, tangible items of ownership for them. All right, having good clothes was important and a sign of where you were at in society. Uh, earlier in, in 1 Samuel, we're told that the Israelites had two swords, Saul's sword and Jonathan's sword. And so Jonathan gives one of those two swords to David, another great gift. And so we see these con this connection between these two guys to where even Jonathan gives away some very valuable items. Uh, if we want to be great friends, we have to connect with people on a deep level. And it doesn't mean we have to connect with everyone, okay? We're not necessarily meant to be friends with everyone we come in contact with. All right, Jonathan and David, they have this special connection, but as far as we know, that's the only person that David connects in this way. At least the only one that we're told about. All right, and so it's not that we're supposed to connect with everyone, but we should be connecting deeply with a few people to where we are almost one in soul, where we are loving each other, where we're able to give each, other, each other's stuff. And, and this is an important aspect, right? Uh, I was looking at my Facebook page in preparation for the sermon, and, and I noticed I had 600 friends, which isn't necessarily a lot. I have some friends that have like thousands of friends, all right? But of those 600 people, how many do I talk to on a regular basis? Not, not, not all 600, okay? And that's where I think Facebook has missed this idea. Just because I know somebody doesn't mean that I'm their friend. 
Right? It doesn't mean that I connect deeply with them. But those who are my friends, I do connect deeply with. Uh, Levi was my good friend in high school. Uh, the first memory I have of Levi was at church camp. Uh, for some, I don't remember what was happening on, but the, the staff was doing some kind of game, and all the kids were sitting in a circle around them. It was a hot day, so we were under the trees, and Levi was sitting next to me. And something happened, and we started arguing, and I pushed him, and then he scratched me like a cat, right? And he leaves this welt across my chest that's bleeding, all right? And, and we go to the counselors, and the counselors, we both get in trouble uh, for what we did. And, and that's the only time I remember ever fighting with Levi. Because uh, after that, for the next however many years, we went to camp every year together. Uh, he ended up being in my junior high and high school uh, we were at different schools at the time, but we ended up being in the same high school. And in high school, we were very close. And the reason we were very close was because we fought each other and we had to say sorry, right? I mean, it was because we got close. We got connected. And we shared our dreams. And we shared our hopes of the future. We were both uh, at each other's weddings because we were close. And there's some people that we need to connect with, that we need to get close with, that we need to share uh, who we truly are on the inside. A lot of times we put up these masks, these facades in front of people. And it's our friends that need to know who we are deep down. So Jonathan and David, they, they have found this connection in chapter 18, and then some things happen. Saul uh, begins to get jealous of David. David becomes a general in Saul's army. He wins a number of battles, pretty big ones. And the people of Israel begin to praise David, and they give him higher accolades than they gave Saul. And Saul hears these accolades, and he gets angry. And he decides that he is going to kill David. And he takes it upon himself to do this a couple of times, to, to, to attempt to kill David. And so David flees and he runs away and he has no one else to turn to except for Jonathan. And so he goes to Jonathan and in chapter 20 we start to read the story of connection in verses 1 and 2. And what we see coming in these two verses is this, friends reassure one another. Here's what happens. David fled from Naoth to Ramah, and he went to Jonathan, and he asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? And Jonathan replies, Never. You, do not, you are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. See, David's in this place in his life where he's just left with the question, what have I done? And even though Saul is, is going to want to, David to be killed, even though Saul is going to hunt him like a wild animal, David is going to remain faithful to Saul. Uh, there's going to be a couple of times where David has the opportunity to kill Saul, but David decides, I cannot do that. And in fact, David even cries out to God, God, I've sinned because I thought I wanted to do, get even. And so David, he, he's faithful. He's committed to Saul. He wants to be under Saul's rulership. But Saul doesn't want David. And so David doesn't know what's going on. What is happening? Why is this happening to me? And Jonathan is there, and Jonathan is reassuring his friend that, no, everything 
is going to be okay. Now, Jonathan's a little wrong. He doesn't understand what's actually going on, but in this moment, he just needed to be there with David to reassure him. And our lives are full of chaos at times. There's a lot of times that we're walking about life where we don't know what's going to happen next, where we don't know how tomorrow is going to turn out, where we don't know what, the, what is going on. And we need friends in those moments, to come alongside us and to reassure us that life will get better, that things are going to turn out okay. Uh, my junior year of college, I had a Tuesday night class, uh, which is terrible. It was like two and a half hours long straight. And it was on Jeremiah, which is probably the worst book to, to take for that type of class, okay? And, and I, I remember that some things were going on in my life that I just was, I was just miserable. And I remember walking into one of those Tuesday night classes, and I, hadn't, I had a couple friends in there that I just had not sat with that entire semester. And that particular day, I sat even further away from them. And I was going to sulk in the back corner for two and a half hours through this class. And my friend Brett saw, looked around, and he saw me, and he he saw what was going on on my face, and he came over, and he grabbed my stuff, and he says, you're not sitting here, you're sitting with us. And in that moment, it's what I really needed. You know, life was chaotic for me. I was not in a good place, and Brett saw that, and he told me in his actions that it is going to be okay, because even if no one else is there for you, I will be. And that is what good friends do. See, good friends are with us in the good, and they connect with us deeply, but they're also there for us when life is bad. And they're there to reassure us that things are not always going to stay this way. So Jonathan and David, they're, they're in this moment where Jonathan is saying to David, David, things are going to be okay. Saul is not going to kill you. You're not going to die. It's going to be all right. Well, Jonathan is a little mistaken by what is actually happening, and David insists in verse 3 that, yes, Saul is trying to kill me. Trust me on this. And so they're going to have a conversation here that we see the, the next attributes of what great friends are, and that's this, that friends seek truth for each other. Uh, we read about starting in verse 4 that says this, Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I will do. See, Jonathan isn't convinced that his dad is going to try to kill David, all right? But David has convinced him that something is up and that he needs to find out the truth. And in the next couple of verses, David's going to outline his plan. Uh, there was a new moon festival that took place at the beginning of each month. And every town would hold this feast to celebrate the beginning of a new month. And for Saul's family, being the king and head of this clan, he would have been expected to preside over this festival each month. And his family would have been expected to be there. When David defeated Goliath, one of the things that Saul did was marry his daughter to David. So David was Saul's son-in-law. And so David would have been expected to be at this feast. And David tells Jonathan, I am not going. And when you go, Jonathan, 
you find out from your dad by his reaction to me not being there if he's wanting me dead or not. And so Jonathan agrees to this, and in verse 12 he tells David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will uh, surely sound out my father by this time of the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed towards you, will I not send word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. And so Jonathan agrees, I will do this and I will seek out the truth. Uh, We've all been to elementary school and we've seen how good friends seek out truth in elementary school. Uh, usually it's a bunch of girls that are trying to figure out if that boy likes their friend or not, right? So they'll go on to the recess, they'll corner the boy, and they'll ask questions after questions until they find out the truth. You've experienced that, right? Maybe you were the girls that were finding it out, or maybe you were the guy that was cornered. It was awkward. All right, and so we have that in elementary school, but it also extends beyond to adulthood as well. See, sometimes people get into odds with each other. I remember in college, I was hired as the intramural director, and uh, I took over this Saturday night dodgeball event that took place, and I kind of organized it so it wasn't chaos. And in my organization of it, I had a good friend by the name of Lorenzo who just started not liking me. And he just would not talk to me, and I would try to talk to him, and he would just walk away and not even say a word to me. And I don't even know what I did. And, and I was just, it was tearing me apart because he was a dear friend of mine at the time. And it took people going to Lorenzo to figure out what it was that had happened. It took other people coming into my life and his life and seeking out the truth. What has happened? What is going on? Why is there a divide between you two? And that's what good friends do. Good friends seek out the truth to bring about a restored relationship with people that have gone their separate ways. And they do everything that they can to find out what is going on, to find out the truth in order to bridge what has been broken. And we need good friends like that in our lives. And we need to be good friends like that, seeking out the truth. And sometimes our friends are going to find out that we are in the wrong. And then they're going to be left with a very difficult choice. And it's a choice that Jonathan has to find out. See, Jonathan goes to the New Moon Festival, and it ended up being a two-day feast on this particular month. And the first day, Saul is there, David's not, and Saul's just kind of chill. And so Jonathan's probably thinking, oh, everything's okay. But the second day, Saul gets kind of mad. See, Saul thought maybe David just missed the first day, but was going to show up the second day. But David didn't. And when Saul found that out, he asked Jonathan, where's David? And Jonathan said, well, he asked to go home for this month, and I gave him permission. And when Saul hears that, he gets angry, and he throws his spear at Jonathan, trying to kill his own son. And Jonathan gets up in anger because he knows the truth. And now he's left with the choice. What do I do with that truth? And what we see is the next attribute of a great friend, and that's this. Friends speak truth to one another. Uh, We read about it in verses uh, 41 
or no, 35 and forward. It says, in the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him, and he said to the boy, run and find the arrows I shoot. And as the boy ran, he shot the arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrows had fallen, Jonathan cried out to him, isn't the arrow beyond you? And then he shouted, hurry, go quickly, don't stop. And the boy picked up the arrows, returned to his master. In verse 40, Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, go, carry them back to town. Uh, It seems kind of like an odd scene, but it was something predetermined by Jonathan and David. And it was a code language that they had developed where they were saying, okay, if I say run away, that means it's not safe for you. And so Jonathan's left with this choice. He, he can either honor his dad and hunt down David. He can honor his dad and, and kill David on this spot, or he can speak truth to his friend's life and say, you must leave now. We have to have friends that speak truth in our lives. Have you ever seen American Idol? Yeah, it, the first few episodes are the ones that I tend to like to watch. I don't tend to watch anything else. All right, and the reason I watch the first couple episodes is because that's where you see uh, the talent that people have, okay? Sometimes it's talent that is very good, and then sometimes it's talent that's not so good at all. And the reason why those people that are on American Idol that aren't singing very well are, are there is because they've been lied to their entire lives, all right? They have family And they have friends that have lied to them and said, you sing really, really well, when in fact they don't. And it takes complete strangers, these judges sitting there, having to tell them for the very first time that they sound like a dying cat more often than not. (laughs) And and honestly, it's really sad to watch these people's hearts get broken. And a lot of times they'll come out of those conversations and they'll say, those guys don't know anything that they're talking about. And the truth is, is yes, they do. And sometimes we can have friends in our lives that do not speak truth to us and they lie to us. And we end up like these people on American Idol. That's not who we need to be. That's not who we need to surround ourselves with. We need people who will speak truth in our lives even if it hurts. And it's hurting David. I mean, David is, I mean, he has a wife that he's going to have to leave. And he's going to have this friend, Jonathan, that's very dear to him, that they're just not going to be able to see each other again. And so Jonathan left with this choice of either saying, David, everything's going to be okay, just stick it out, it'll be fine. He could have said that and lied to David, or he's left with the choice of speaking truth. And it's going to bring pain. And we need to be friends that speak truth, not necessarily bluntly, but also not sugarcoating it. We need to be friends that are speaking truth because it's what we need to do. Well, David and Jonathan, now that they know what's going on and everything's out and the conversation has been had, we're going to see in verse 41 the next attribute of a great friend, and that's this. Friends mourn together. Verse 41, we read that after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone. He bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face on the ground, and then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. See, this is a sad moment in their lives. 
Uh, th- they know that this is probably the last time they're going to see each other. In fact, they're, they're only going to meet each other one more time for just a very brief moment. And their connection that they have gone to, it, it's so deep that they are saddened by what is happening, by the divide that has taken place. And they mourn with each other. There's a lot of heartache in life. There's heartache when we lose loved ones. There's heartaches when we break off our, our relationships with other people. There's heartaches when different sicknesses come in. And there's a lot of moments where we are just in a sad state and we just need to weep. And it's in those moments that we need friends the most. It's in those moments that we need people to come alongside us and sit next to us and just cry with us. Not to say any words, but just to mourn. See, great friends, they're there in those good times where they're laughing, where they're joking, when life is full of joy, but they're also there in the bad times when all they can do is cry. And if you want to be a great friend, you stick with your friends, not just when they make you happy, but when they are sad as well. These two, they are mourning, they're crying, and we get one last interaction, one last goodbye, and it's the last of the attributes that we see in it. It's in verse 42 that Jonathan speaks to David, and the attribute that we see is this, great friends desire the good for each other. Verse 42, Jonathan says to David, Go in peace, for I have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. And then David left, and Jonathan went back home. And what we see in this story is Jonathan asking peace and desiring peace for David. And in the Israelite culture, the peace there is not just hoping that someone has good health. The peace there is more than that. It's, it's all about who the person is in, it, in their totality. How are they spiritually? How are they mentally? How are they physically? And David's, and Jonathan's saying, I hope that all of those things are well for you. Go in peace. And while Saul may want David dead, Jonathan wants David to thrive. And while Saul will hunt him down and David will spend the rest of his life hiding in caves until Saul is dead, Jonathan wishes that David will be in a good state, that he'll be well fed, that everything will turn out okay. Sometimes this can be hard for us. It can be tempting sometimes when we have friends that are doing the same thing that we are doing, but doing it more successfully. It can be tempting to be jealous that things are going so well for them, and sometimes we can be tempted to wish that harm come to them in some way. Maybe they'll lose their job. Maybe something else will happen to them. We just want them to be brought down to reality. But if we're great friends, whether it's good things happening in their lives or in the bad times of their lives, we desire good for them. We desire peace in their lives. Being a good friend means that we make ourselves less and our friends more. It means imitating Jesus in all aspects of our lives, even in our friendships. 
See, Jesus came to this world and he came to make himself less. He emptied himself so that he could raise us up to his righteousness and life. And if we want to be good friends, then we need to be like Jesus in our friendships. And it doesn't mean that all of our desires become nothing, because if we have good friends, they in return will desire the good for us. So what makes a good friend? It's someone that is reflecting Jesus in all aspects of how they live, but especially in how they relate with their friends. Being a good friend is having these six attributes played out in your lives. Being with your friends, both in the good times and in the bad times. And if we can do that, if we can surround our people who, would, who do that as well, then we can have great friendships. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the relationship of Jonathan and David. And we're grateful that they are models of friendships. Lord, we pray that the attributes that they display in this chapter will be attributes that we apply in our lives. Help us to be great friends. Help us to be like Jesus in the lives that we live. It's his name we pray. Amen.